Hi, I'm Anthony Moore, Senior Pastor of Carolina Church. Welcome back to the continuation of our podcast entitled Silent Suffering, Dealing with Mental Illness. First Kings found in the Old Testament. And I want you to zero in, if you will, right at verse number four. First Kings 19, verse number four. I'm grateful to God for the presence of Martina Baxter. Bless you. Thank God he's brought you back stronger than ever. Bless you. Bless you. Bless you. I want to give a shout out to all of those watching us via streaming. God bless you. Do me a favor, Carolina. I'm sorry you got your Bibles in your hands. Help me thank God for our streamers today. I want to give a great big shout out to Mama Dolores Tucker. I know that she is watching us via streaming and um, Mother Tucker would steal away in the month of August and stay with us the whole month. She's recuperating in the rehabilitation house and we're believing God for complete healing. Amen. Mother Tucker, know that we love you. To all of our members who've made their way here today, 1 Kings chapter 19, verse number 4. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a broom tree. And he asked that he might die, saying, it is enough. Now, O Lord, take away my life, for I am no better than my father's. I want to continue today the preaching that I begun weeks ago as I started this series on silent suffering. I'm dealing with mental illnesses, so it's what God would have us today. On your way back down to your seat, tell your neighbor, silent suffering. I want to start my message today by reading to you from two letters that I have. So I want to ask you to endure me as I segue into our sermon. Minister Rick, I received these letters and... Um, they moved me, just allow me to share. Good morning, Pastor. I pray you and your family are doing well this day. I wanted to tell you how Sunday's message was unraveling 
informative and such a blessing. For the past few days, I've thought a lot about the message, reviewed my notes, prayed about what has touched me so much. I had to admit something to myself and will reach out as appropriate. I've gone through so much. I am strong. I will not give up. And my life as I have known it has changed. But I am in pain. I know you realize this, but for me, I'm saying this not out of weakness, but to acknowledge I have work to do on me as I serve God. I am anxiously waiting, anxiously anticipating the next page of instructions from God provided by you in order to live a whole, healthy, and godly lifestyle. Signed, our member. The second letter I read to you says, growing up, I had always had these deeply sad feelings. I assumed it was just me and there was something wrong with me. The moment I realized there was something deeper going on was in 2007 when I was the worship pastor at my church. I had been leading our worship ministries for about four or five years. And throughout those years, I would go to church, hug everybody, smile in everybody's face, kiss babies, etc. I could get up and sing and watch people be delivered and set free and experience freedom in their lives. And yet, I would go home and be under the covers with the curtains closed, not eating, never coming out of my room for days at a time. My cousin, who was my roommate at the time, knew the routine. We would come home from church. I would get undressed, put on something huge and lay in the bed and stay there for days. This time, I had been in the bed for three or four days and had left my room. The house was completely dark. Curtains closed. Sadness was so heavy. In my house that my cousin literally moved out, moved into my pastor's house for that week, because it was too, just too heavy for her. Under those covers, I would tell myself things like, nobody wants you. They only want you for your gifts. They only want you for your talents. 
people only want you for what you have to offer, but nobody is giving back to you. Of course, it wasn't all true. I've had so many people around me who loved me, but for some reason I was stuck in this place of rejection where no matter how good I am or how much I do or how much I offer, it felt like it wasn't enough. I would cry for hours. Sometimes I wouldn't even know why I was crying. It was just a heaviness that comes over you that you just cannot explain. During that time, something in my spirit said, you got to do something about this. It was just a moment where I felt like I couldn't move forward in my career and in my ministry if I kept allowing myself to be in this place. At some point, somebody's going to find out and it's going to get much bigger than what I'm able to handle. So I got up to do some research and started studying depression called my cousin and my pastor to tell them I thought I knew what was wrong with me. Immediately, I found a therapist so that I could begin talking about what was happening with me. My therapist diagnosed it as depression. I know what you're thinking. How could a child of God, saved, be depressed? Going to therapy was new for me. I didn't know anyone who went to therapy, or so I thought. We don't talk about mental health enough in our churches or our culture. I remember being weary of even doing it. When I started going to therapy, I only told my closest friends and family. They were all very supportive. They would call and say, did you go to your appointment today? What happened? Did you have a breakthrough? But I know some people don't have that kind of support system, especially in our culture, and they suffer in silence. We need to fix this. Our culture and our churches in general should put more focus on depression and people who struggle with mental health. From what I've experienced in sharing my testimony with different people, it's something way more prevalent than we acknowledge. And I'm willing to stand on the front line as a leader in our culture and address the mental health issues that we've been ignoring. Signed, Tasha Cobbs Leonard. Break every chain, break every chain, break it ready. I want you to be clear on who Tasha Cobbs Leonard is. Someone with that much anointing. And yet, experiences mental illness. 
In our text this morning, Latrice, we come upon a prophet by the name of Elijah, whose name means Jehovah is God. Elijah, Monica, is having a nervous breakdown, which happens to be a period of mental illness resulting from severe depression, stress, or anxiety. Elijah is a manic depressive who has suicidal tendencies. He tells God, Rhonda, to stop the world and let him off because he's had enough. The prophet Elijah is suffering, you all, with a mental disorder that manifests primarily as severe stress-induced depression, anxiety, and paranoia that is preventing him from being able to function from one day to the next. So he asked God to take his life. Need you to know, Sister Bowman, this is not just any kind of prophet. Elijah is known as one of the greatest prophets among the Old Testament prophets. Truth of the matter is, God's hand was upon him. And it was evident that the anointing of God rested on him. It was Elijah who told King Ahab, as the Lord God of Israel liveth, there be no dew nor rain for years until he said so. This is Elijah, who during the drought drank from the brook Cherith and was fed by the ravens. This is the same Elijah who miraculously enabled a widow and her son to eat every day during the famine, all because she made him, the prophet, a cake first. This is the same Elijah, who when the widow's son died, he takes the boy to his own bed, lays him on top, lays on top of the boy, does it three times and cries unto God. And the Bible says, and the boy came back to life. This is the same Elijah who called down fire from God to burn up an altar that is saturated with water in front of 450 prophets of Baal. God's hand is so heavy upon this prophet Elijah that he was taken up to heaven without even dying by a chariot of fire. And yet, this is the person who wants God to stop the world and let him off. This is the same prophet who tells God, take my life, I've had enough. 
I bring this to your attention because I need everybody who's listening to me today to know that people of faith get depressed. I think I ought to just drop this on you, Kenny, because you need to know this, that the more saved you are and the more anointed you are, the more possibility you have of the enemy attacking you with depression. I need you to know, I need you to know, do me a favor, tap your neighbor and say, neighbor, save people get depressed. Save people suffer silently with mental illness. Elijah's mental bout is initiated because the wicked wife of King Ahab, whose name was Jezebel, sent a messenger to tell him that if she didn't kill him within 24 hours, may the Lord do unto her what he did to her 450 prophets of Baal. Elijah, once he heard this, y'all, became depressed. I do need you to note that there are three attitudes. How many? Three attitudes that characterizes depression. Please take this down if you don't mind. Number one, I need you to know depression is intense. Let the church say intense. Depression is intense. It is an intense emotion. But not only is depression intense, but depression interferes. It interferes. Depression interferes. It interferes with daily activities. It interferes with some work. It interferes with relationships. Not only is depression intense, not only does it interferes, but depression is also interminable. It never seems to end. Andre, whenever one lays upon a pillow, the pillow becomes pressed. Whenever one lays upon a pillow, the pillow becomes pressed. But when you get up, the pillow lifts back to its original shape. Now, if you take that same pillow, place a heavy weight on it for long periods of time, and then lift the weight off of it, the pillow will not necessarily bounce back to its original shape. Here's why. Because the pillow has become depressed. All of us, y'all, get pressed All of us get pressed, but within 24 hours, we bounce back. Depression, however, is when you just can't seem to bounce back. You develop an attitude that indicates that nothing matters and nothing is ever going to matter. What's the use of going on? What's the use of me even trying? What's the use of me pursuing? It's not going to make a bit of difference. Whenever this kind of mood comes, Depression is right next door. And I want to suggest today that if it can happen to Elijah, then it can happen to any of us. 
we took a look at um, the reality of depression. Last week, we tried to unravel the reason for depression. And we concluded that there are basically two reasons for depression. First reason is sin. Sin. Sin and bad choices will cause a person to enter into depression. The second reason is what I call self-talk. Self-talk. It's what we say to ourselves. The reason why Elijah is depressed is because of self-talk. Pastor, how is that? First, he is depreciating his self-worth. He's depreciating his own self-worth. He says, I'm better off dead than alive. He believes, y'all, he has no worth. What caused Elijah to depreciate his self-worth is what I call emotional reasoning. That's when you base reality on how you feel emotionally. That's when you base reality on how you feel emotionally. I want to suggest to you today that you will always mess up when you define your reality based on how you feel emotionally. The other thing that caused Elijah to depreciate his self-worth is that he was engaging in what I called comparisonitis. He started comparing himself with other people. So he's entered into depression. Secondly, he's in depression because he exaggerated his problems. He exaggerated his problems in verse 9 and 10 of our text. He states he's the only one left. But if you drop down to verse 18 of our text, God says, I have 7,000 who have never bowed down to Baal. That would mean that he's not on, the only one left. So this means that what he just stated was an exaggeration. Kirk, in verse 10, he also states, and they are trying to kill him. They are trying to kill him. I want to suggest to you, Brother Ralph, they are not trying to kill him. It's just one woman who's trying to kill him. That's another exaggeration. Let me give you one more exaggeration. Elijah doesn't want to die. That's an exaggeration. Lord, take my life. He doesn't want to die. That's another exaggeration. Because if he really wanted to die, all he's got to do is go back 40 miles to where he just ran from. And Jezebel would gladly oblige his request. I'm sorry, y'all. That's just another exaggeration. Whenever you exaggerate in your mind the severity of your problem, it will cause you to go into deep depression. I want to suggest to us on today, don't let the enemy... Put into your mind exaggerations of your problems. 
He's also depressed. Third, because he's engaging in false guilt. He's engaging in false guilt. He's blaming himself for things that are not his fault. Watch verse 10 again. Lord, I've always served you. You alone. But the people of Israel have torn down your altar. The people of Israel have broken their covenant. And the people of Israel have killed your prophets. Now, I'm, I'm sorry, y'all. He didn't do it. The people did it. Then why is he taking responsibility for what someone else has done? Listen to me, please. You cannot allow yourself to feel guilty for the choices other people make. The last thing I want to show you that caused him to go into depression was this, is where I ended last week. He maximized his foes while minimizing his God. All throughout the text, Elijah's talking about Jezebel. Elder Mac, not one time does he mention God except Brother Ike to complain. He does not talk about the greatness or the favor of God. It was always about his problems. I want to suggest, Brother Holmes, that anytime you get stuck talking about your Jezebel, you are minimizing your God. Now, your Jezebel can come, listen to me, Brother Eddie, your Jezebel can come in many forms. What you don't think is a Jezebel is a Jezebel. Let me help you. Y'all, here's a Jezebel. What you don't have is a Jezebel. Your job can be your Jezebel. Your family can be your Jezebel. Your health can be your Jezebel. Your relationship, your emotions, your finance, or whatever it is that you are always complaining about, let me help you. That's your Jezebel. Whenever you maximize your foes and minimize your God, you'll cause depression. That's why I want to suggest to us today, worship is essential for spiritual health. When you come to church, the worship ought to help you see God, even in the midst of all of what you're going through. I don't know who I'm talking to, but I'm trying to help you. That's why, y'all, spiritual health is important. Worship is essential. Because worship ought to help you see God, regardless to what you, in fact, are going through. You ought to know that when you walk out of worship, God is still on the throne. Y'all, we have to maximize our God and minimize our foes. Don't make your problems bigger than your God. The last time I checked, there was nothing that was too hard for God. We've looked at the reality of depression. We've established the reasons for depression. Now let me look at um, um, the roots 
of depression. The roots of depression. The reality, the reason, the roots of depression. Mm. The roots of depression generally start with the blaming of self and the personalizing our loss. Listen, I'm gonna, I want to do that again. I don't want you to miss this. It's critical that you get it. I said, y'all, the roots of depression generally start with the blaming of self and the personalizing your loss. Number one, let me give them to you. I'm going to walk through them. Number one, we feel powerless. Here's the first root. We feel powerless and helpless. That's the first root. We feel powerless and helpless. That's the first root. Here's root number two. We feel a loss of control. We feel a loss of control. It's the root of depression. We feel a loss of control. Here's number three. We feel a sense of distrust. Don't trust nobody. Not even in God. We feel a sense of distrust. Number four, we feel there's something wrong with us because we cannot keep the pain away. Something must be wrong with me because I can't keep the pain away. Children of God ought not feel like this. Number five, root, root of depression, we feel vulnerable or sad. We cannot rest on our laurels or our reputation because we're feeling vulnerable and sad. Number six, we do not get total satisfaction from relationships, work, or material gains. Roots of depression. Number seven, we sense the hollowness of our self-created identities. Then number eight, we blame our inability to control reality. Roots of depression. Roots. You didn't get it, so let me do it like this. Pastor, what does depression sound like? I just don't feel like it. Here's another one. I don't feel right. I know something's wrong with me, but the doctor can't find it. This is what depression sounds like. I can't stop crying. I can't handle it. How about this one? I don't need anybody. People just let you down. I don't trust anyone. I'm fat and ugly. Nobody wants me. Nothing good ever happens to me. Life sucks. Here's my favorite one. 
I ain't sugar honey iced tea. You figure that out when you get home. The outcome of these kinds of roots produces sorrow and helplessness, which makes us turn away from our pain. The pain then congeals, hardens, and depression sets in. Which brings me to my last point of this sermonic presentation. We've looked at the reality of depression, the reason for depression. We've looked at the roots of depression. Finally, you all, I want to give you all the remedy for depression. What I like about this biblical narrative is the insight we get regarding the remedy God applied for Elijah to bounce back. I think I need to park here for a minute and tell somebody it doesn't matter how depressed you may get or how dispirited you may become. God has a way of allowing us to bounce back. Allow me, Brother Rick, to examine what God did to get Elijah to bounce back. Watch this. Once Elijah made the request in verse 4 of our text, he says, I've had enough. Lord, take my life. Watch verse 5, if you don't mind. Verse 5 tells us that after the death wish, he laid down and slept on an juniper tree. Please keep your Bibles open. Behold, then an angel touched him. And said unto him, arise and eat. Watch verse 6. He looked around and there was a cake baked on the coals, a cruise of water at his head. And he did eat and drink and he laid down again. Andre, watch verse 7. Verse 7 says, and the angel came again the second time, touched him and said, arise and eat because the journey is too great for thee. Verse 8. So he arose, did eat, and drink. So what we see is that the angel of the Lord helps Elijah to eat and get some rest. Over and over again, the angel helps him to eat and get some rest. Here's why. Because the Lord knows that there is a connection between our mental state and our physical state that's rooted in our chemistry that's supported by our diets. Yo, we say the mind should control the body. But the fact of the matter is that the body controls the mind. Which means that when you are physically exhausted... When you are physically overextended, coupled with a poor diet, it becomes a drug that dulls our moods to the point that when you are tired physically, it affects you psychologically and emotionally because the body and the mind live so close together that they catch each other's diseases. Y'all, whatever is going on in the body, it will impact itself on the mind. Here's the remedy for depression. Let me give you the remedy. Number one, replenish your health. Let the church say, replenish your health. Y'all, Elijah had not eaten anything. 
When you are depressed, it affects your appetite. Angel said, wake up. Eat. The angel realized that there's a relationship between the chemical and the emotional. You are not going to feel better emotionally if you're not taking care of yourself physically. So the angel gives them some food. Usually, y'all, when you are depressed, you can tell because you won't eat. If you don't take care of you, you can't help anybody else. Got to take care of you. You've got to take care of you. You have let yourself go. Won't even bathe. Won't fix yourself up. Won't eat a proper diet. You've got to take care of yourself. Another remedy for depression, number two, is reject the idea that your present move is a permanent mood. Need you to reject it. Reject the idea that your present mood is a permanent mood. You can go through anything if you know it's not going to last. But if you let the devil convince you that your present situation is permanent, then you will quit. But if you realize that it's just a season, you can get through it. God has a way of reversing some things. God has a way of moving some things, switching some people out and putting some new people in your life. Why in the world are you tripping now? Why are you tripping? This is not the first time you've been under a cloud. This is not the first time you've had a hardship. This is not permanent. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy does come in the morning. Number three, rediscover your fellowship. I want you to notice in the 19th chapter of 1 Kings, Elijah is talking to himself. Listen, you all, there, there, there are some times that you don't need to be off by yourself. You've got to be careful with withdrawing, with withdrawing from people. Got to be careful. Let, let me show you what the Bible says about the importance of um, fellowship. This is what the Bible says about fellowship. Look, look at Ecclesiastes chapter 4. I want to pick up right at verses 9 through 12. Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 9 through 12. Let me show you what it says. It says the two, two, it says two. Let the church say two. Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. Verse 10 says this, for if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone. When he falls and has not nobody, no one to lift him up again. Again, verse 11 says, if two lie together, they keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? 
Verse 12, and though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. See, many of us don't need a doctor. We need an audience. Many of us don't need a doctor. We need a companion, someone to talk to. We just need somebody we can talk to. Elijah is by himself. And I want to suggest that when you are going through, this is not a time for you to be by yourself. Moses had Aaron. Jesus had his disciples. Paul had Timothy. Silas had Barnabas. The Lone Ranger had Tonto. Papa had olive oil. Fred Flintstone had Wilma. Betty had Barney. Batman had Robin. Starsky had Hutch. Laverne had Shirley. Yogi had the bear. Yogi the bear had Boo Boo. Let me help you. Everybody ought to have somebody they can talk to. somebody to fellowship with someone to help you to tap into who you are rediscover your fellowship here's number four rediscover the power of God I want to drop this one line on you God is still on the throne. Let me also tell you this. He still has power. The throne of God is not vacant. God would not have brought you this far. If you didn't have a plan and a purpose for your life. That's why you're still here. If he wanted to, he could have taken you out of here. But if God still has you here and there's breath in your body, God still has a plan and a purpose for your life. Now unto him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly more than you would be able to ask or think. There is no vacancy in the Trinity. In other words, y'all, quit trying to be God. Quit trying to solve everyone else's problems and let God work on yours. Number five, remedy number five. Redirect your attention to somebody else. In other words, stop making everything about you. Lift someone else up. Stop thinking about you. Go out and bless somebody else. You might discover that though you think you are having it rough, 
There are others who are far worse off than you. And it'll help you bring back into place your emotions. One more and I'm through. Remedy number six. Rediscover your purpose. Most people who are depressed have lost their purpose. Lost their purpose for living, which is why you want to die. But God has something for you to do. Get busy on you discovering what your purpose is. Let me do one other thing. and I'm Psalms 55 verse 2, if you will. Take me there. Psalms 55 verse 2. When I finish that, I want to go right to my announcement of the two agencies that are available for me. Give me Psalms 55 verse number 2. I want you to see this. Attend to me and answer me. I am restless in my complaint and I moan. Attend to me and answer me for I am restless in my complaint and I moan. You are not the only one who's gone through what you're going through. So you don't have to suffer in silence. You do not have to be ashamed because of mistakes you have made. You're in good company. We need not just prayer. We need medical and the mental, along with the Messiah, to get us out of this. I learned something I, doing this research. That some people, when they're going through, they don't want to talk to anybody. And many of us can't even express what it is we're going through. So they have a service out that we can text to persons. I've asked them to put it on the screen for me. If you need help, I don't want you to leave today. Hearing this message, but then not being able to walk out of here and get the help that you need along with the spiritual. So if you don't, if you don't feel like, I don't want to talk, I don't want to talk. This serves anybody in any type of crisis, giving them access to service 24-7. All you got to do is just text it to them. A live person is going to text you back, talk, speak to you, and help you get through it. I got one more for you. The National Suicide Prevention Lifeline is a national network of local crisis centers that provide free and confidential emotional support to people in suicidal crisis or emotional distress 24 hours a day. Take the number down. 
Thank you for tuning in to our podcast of Carolina Church. Because Carolina Cares, I'm hoping that this teaching series will cause you to not be the same. Hoping that this series will help you heal. Stay tuned to what God will do next as we go higher in his word. No, not one. No, not one. No, not one. Listen, I want you to help me for a moment. I want you to ask.